Hello, welcome to Chair Beckert's GovCon podcast, where we discuss current government contracting trends, compliance matters, um, and best practices to guide federal contractors forward. My name is Eric Poppy. I'm a managing director with Cherry Beckert's team, uh, government contract consulting team. And with me today is Todd, a director in our government contracting practice. Uh, Todd has over 20 years of experience um, in operations, working at government contractors, large and small. Uh, so Todd, thanks for joining me today. Happy to be here, Eric. Thanks for asking. Uh, do you want to give a quick, this is your first podcast. Do you want to give a quick background on yourself? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I've been in the government contracting space for over 20 years. I started out in um, compliance, regulatory compliance. I was in corporate accounting. I've done um, uh, forward pricing rates, disclosure statements, incurred cost submissions, and then I moved into P&L line management, and I've been in operations for well over 15 years of my career. So was at Northrop Grumman and Task for 17, and I was at a small company for about six years before I came to Cherry Becker two years ago. That is awesome. Um, tons of experience for this topic. I know you and I, um, when just talking about current clients and prospects and some of the current engagements that we have going on, have hit on this topic a few times already. So I'm pumped that you'll be joining, uh, that you're joining for this podcast today. So today we're talking about uh, budgeting and forecasting for government contractors. You know, we're at getting close to year end, very close to the holiday season. Right now for tons of companies, um, you either started your budgeting process for FY24 already, or you are in the midst of it and you're going through the approval process. So our thoughts were, let's have a podcast, discuss some you know major items to consider when thinking about um, the budgeting process, things to consider that are important for government contractors that might be more unique to GovCons versus other industries. Um, so very excited for us to jump in on that. So with that, Todd, what should GovCons be should what should GovCons be considering during year end and moving into the next calendar year with this process? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely now. It's definitely a now thing. The larger the contractor, the earlier the process starts. I think for some yeah. of the smaller contractors, they may just be embarking on the process, but it's definitely a look back at what you've done this past year so far. So you want to look at year-to-date performance. What are some of the trends that you've seen? What are some of the things that have gone well? What are some of the areas that need improvement? So you know what those things are and kind of get a good status and barometer of where you're at currently. And then it's how do you leverage that information as you launch into the next year's budgeting process? And it's 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 a lot of things. It's depending on a lot of things, contract types, where you are in the contract life cycles, um, what's coming up in the future that you know about relative to pipeline, recompetes, all those things come into play here. So so we're really looking at, you know, historical, how we've done month to week, or really month to month, quarter to quarter till we're at now. Mm -hmm. Current considerations of where we're at, year to date, those last few month variants, then now we're getting into our, into our future state and that forecast aspect. So, you know, let's talk top line to bottom line through reviewing the operating plan, including indirect rates, which I feel like a lot of times clients and prospects yeah. that we're working with, they're really, a lot of times I feel like they're just like, oh, I need my provisional rates for the next contract year, um, especially if you're an emerging small business of some. But let's talk through top line to bottom line, some high level considerations used to construct the yeah. budget. You know, do you want to start us off with revenue? Yeah, I, I would. You know, I just back up for just one second on Eric is like, I think Taking the top line, bottom line approach and looking at the entire operating plan, I think is really kind of the best way to start the process. I mean, clear, I, lots of people look just at revenue, 
right? I'm just going to yep. do an annual operating plan. I'm just going to look at revenue and profitability, but there's a lot more to it. And um, we'll walk through all those pieces. I think it's really important. But from a revenue perspective, I mean, we want to look at, you know, what's been the flavor of the revenue generated so far, right? What relative to line of business, customer, contract type, um, and looking at all those different, you know, how are we performing relative to those different metrics, right? So then within that, it's, it's taking a look at um, the variances that we've encountered along the way in the current year's performance, where have we run into variance and doing some real good variance analysis. So we're going to employ some root cause analysis techniques to kind of figure out what's going on and how do we course correct if there's course corrections necessary. And that's really kind of contract dependent. If we're burning cool on a TNM, what do we need to do to get it back on track? Where are we relative to deliverables and milestones on fixed price? Where are we relative to ceiling on cost type? Those are some of the things we want to be looking at here. And relatively, you know, and overall, where are we in the life cycle? If it's a five-year contract, are we in option year one? So it's kind of business as usual, or is it not? But understanding those base programs and how to project the revenue for those for the next year is, is really key based on prior performance. Well, and, and then with that, that really drives direct labor and hits the staffing considerations for next year. You know, you can start looking at, you know, maybe your LCAP mix and some of your current mm -hmm. staff alignment. Do you, are you trying to, with some of your objectives, trying to maybe go, um, you, do you have a lot of people that are retiring? Are you trying to go greener? What are those labor mixes? Who are, where are you recruiting from? All those elements that play into it you know, salary, competitiveness, and just how do you stay, you know, I, I feel like this is actually one of the huge issues that we talk with clients about, like, what's one of your biggest pain points? And that's, well, staying competitive and attracting and retaining big talent. So being competitive with those salaries, um, escalations, and what can you escalate to from a labor yeah. perspective? Uh, and that can be on a contract by contract basis of like, what, like, what can you really withstand? Because if one contract, you're kind of, at capped out, well, that's going to bleed into overall profitability because you have to make up that escalation, stay competitive some way. Um, and then, you know, growing, growing the more junior folks and training them up to and potentially uh, maybe make up some of that loss in margin there, too. Right. Well, this is an opportunity to engage in real analysis of the staff, Eric, relative to the relative to the qualification, the qualifications yeah. for the labor category. Right. Good point. Yep. Am I staffed correctly? And do I need to graduate some folks? So that's where, you know, if your escalation is 3% and you want to give out merit increases in excess of 3%, there's a lot, there's, there could be opportunity for graduating folks within labor categories. It's mm -hmm. a key area to look at. So um, I think another thing here, Eric, is, is taking a look at the, you know, we're looking at the direct labor and looking at, now you start looking at expenses, fringe expenses mm -hmm. relative to supporting the staff. So do we really have, we want to look at, let's go with a key consideration is looking at, is the benefit structure sufficient to really attract and retain the, the people that you want? And that's challenging in today's environment. So taking a look at that's really important. Um, looking at whether the health benefits that you currently offer are competitive and are you leveraging the size of your corporation and negotiating appropriately or effectively? And then um, I guess if you're looking at the whole fringe pool holistically and you're looking at attracting and retaining talent, are you offering competitive 
um, time off policies? Are you relative to 401? How are you relative to 401k and 401k match? Um, and well, then and if yeah, just to jump right in here, like I'm gonna that healthcare piece. It's always the wild card every year. You know how much is that going to fluctuate? How much is that going to go up? Really, I feel like it's just been going up, up, up recently. And then I feel like a lot of companies, when they're talking about competitiveness, they're going, "Hey, I need to attract more talent." My, I'm kind of capped from a salary standpoint at a certain level because it might be sometimes even government dictated of years of experience, this, um, this ERI report you know, this labor category, you know, whatever it is. So how do I then bring it in? That's that benefits is kind of the lever that they use. Mm -hmm. And to have line of sight into how is that tracked historically from a budgeting standpoint and going all the way across and, you know, how much carry forward you might have of certain benefits of PTO or sick or things. And mm -hmm. how does that track? What are the escalations that play in there? Um, and depending on the contract type and how your margins are like that, that's an area that definitely could be used to kind of attract good talent. I know we're kind of going down a rabbit hole here for a second, yeah. but it's just something that popped in my head. Well, it's kind of the flavor of the talent you're trying to attract. You know, True. it could be yep. that, you know, on that particular contract, the folks that you're trying to hire are of a certain, whatever it is, demographic, let's say, and they're more interested in PTO than they are 401k or vice versa. Mm -hmm. It depends on what you're looking for. Yep. Um, but it's really it's dependent upon your I think your contract type and the track the type of the talent that you're trying to re recruit or retain. That's a very good point. And then so from an overhead perspective, you know that kind of drives. You know you got we went through revenue, direct labor, fringe. From an overhead standpoint, it's really are you managing effectively the project staff and project profitability, and do you have yeah. the infrastructure as part of that overhead pool to help support your current base of labor? And, and which drives, of course, the revenue piece and mm -hmm. any new work that's going to be coming in. So are you are your recruiting programs up to snub? Do you have to are you managing your talent correctly? Do you have to have any type of security aspects that feed into that pool? So a little bit more of I feel like a lot of times overhead um, isn't, you know, you can kind of predict a lot of those variables from an expense standpoint, because usually it's all driven from the denominator. But um, but yeah, that's that's the, the next piece to consider. Well, it's interesting there too. It's kind of this, it's similar to fringe in that, you know, the kind, the type of people that you have working on your projects um, and what it costs to manage them. Right. And if you're talking about kind of a coaching and mentoring of your junior staff and bringing them up through the ranks, this is where you spend your money on training. Yeah. Okay. That's where you start to budget for those types of things. So you got to be thinking about that relative and then also, Eric, what comes in here is this, the, the notion of customer satisfaction and, you know, some of the scoring mechanisms that customers use, which will tell you where you need to spend your money, right? If they're concerned about your talent, then you got to work on your talent. If they're concerned about um, your ability to consistently staff, right? I mean, there's they will tell you basically what they are seeing and invariably tell you what you need to work on. That's a very good point. Very good point. Um, you know, then then lastly, from a indirect rate standpoint, GNA. You know, I, from a GNA perspective, when we're talking about budgets, um, when you're talking about the government, when you're talking about you know potential provisional rates and forward rates, I feel like it's the rate that gets tries to get chopped the most. 
um, to get to the bottom. But really there, you're analyzing the effectiveness of C-suite relative to the goals. Um, you know, you're looking at all the back office items that come in, uh, even if it's home office allocations too, but finance, accounting, legal, um, you know, other operations, IT. IT might be one of those levers that you can kind of move. Um, you know, measuring indirect rate performance is a huge one. You know, I think in, and, you know, kind of going back a second of doing that consistently on a monthly basis and then looking at it from a quarter standpoint, then looking at it from a rate, from a contract standpoint or future projections really can help from that, looking at it from a program standpoint of mm-hmm. how are you managing the rates to the program? Um, you you kind of mentioned this, uh, we've been talking about overhead, but what are your goals and objectives? Um, the the business development piece, and do you need to you know double down kind of on B and P costs? Um, all 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 things to consider there. Do you have any other thoughts? Yeah, you know, I was actually while you were sharing, I was thinking about proposal development, and you know, a lot of times in the cost narrative, they're going to ask you for a five year trend of your indirect. Yeah, good point. So being realistic here in these indirect rates is really important as you project right i've consistently run my gna at 13% okay but i want to in my forward pricing build a rate that's 11% or 10% okay then you have to start explaining in your narrative how you're going to get from your run rate which has been the past 4 years at 13 to something like 10 or 11 so i think being realistic here is really important about your indirect rates well in in that Go into the narrative if you're a company that's thinking about changing your indirect rate structure as well. And now you're for your forecasts based off your historicals and now your budget. And then like you then might even have to talk about how that change didn't really impact or how it was, you know, positive or negative effect on your on your rate and why that might be okay for project or for um costing X project. So, you know, there's that aspect too. Um, you know. So, yeah, very good point. Yeah, I mean, basically, Eric, everything we've talked about up until now really leads to the bottom line, right? So if you've done if you've done all of the necessary activities, you're tracking, you're monitoring, you're course correcting, you're trying to optimize your cost spend, maximize your top line, maximize your profitability, really at the bottom, at the end of the day, this is this should just be fallout of proper operations. So how are you effectively managing your bottom line? And it's really, it's about process here, I think. You know, regular, deliberate, intentional reviews, engaging with the teams that can impact the results, implementing the course corrections and tracking the uh, initiatives. You know, in short, having a true budgeting process that's documented, reviewed, um, sent up the chain, um, and getting all those key inputs from the different divisions departments, cost centers, whatever you want to call it, all kind of, um, you know, all kind of the same thing when talking generally, but getting it, getting those key things from the different people. So, you know, let's let's take a moment and just talk about what are some of those key drivers um, when it comes to putting together the budget. Todd, do you mind just taking a quick second and talk about some key areas that clients or companies should be looking at when they're planning their budgets? Yeah, I mean, I think when we're, when we're looking forward, um, we've kind of already talked about kind of base programs. We kind of know what our current execution looks like. It's really starting to look at 
you know, do we have stretch targets for our team? Are we looking for on-contract growth? We're trying to stretch the, you know, stretch the team. Are we trying to increase the footprint? Whatever we're trying to do with the current client base, mm-hmm. as well as what's going on with our recompetes. If we have recompetes, what's the recompete status? And what's the new business look like? So the, the next biggest consideration comes in, in that form of what are the recompetes? Where am I in project life cycles? And what's my pipeline look like? And how mature and robust is the pipeline? That's the next be- biggest considerations. You know, and, and on that pipeline piece, <clears throat> considering potentially what are those brand new opportunities that are coming in? What's my P-Win agencies? Do I have a foot in the door at that agency? Do I not? I feel like right now kind of the the trend in the industry is large contract vehicles, GWAX, IDIQs, and like what what will you actually, like how many companies are being awarded that? How many, how many task orders Will you be potentially going at through that? So you have to get through, you know, first win the IDIQ or the GWAC, and then you're competing against a task order. So all of that should be in consideration with with that uh, new work. Yes. I mean, technically, you're opening up a whole new set of things to talk about when it comes to IDIQs and GWACs and how effectively will people actually utilize them. So, you know, I mean, you have to really engage in a thorough cost-benefit analysis of those vehicles. How many times have I seen people win or companies win an IDIQ only to drive very little to no work through it? That's so, a lot of resources. That's, a, that. that's 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 the next podcast. Yeah, that is definitely uh, <laughs> a, a yeah. That will take a few minutes to go through. So, from a resource standpoint, you know, it's kind of the the infrastructure that's available versus what you need to support that new growth. IT, recruiting, talent, kind of the things we hit on before, G&A and overhead, business development. What what new items do you need to support that growth that you're potentially projecting? I think it depends, Eric. You know, we talked about it already, I think, um, at least a little bit, is where where is the pipeline relative to, I guess, maybe um, maturity, right? If If the majority of the opportunities are still in the qualified, quantified phase, then the resources that we're going to need are going to be far different from if our opportunities are in the pre-RFP, RFP phase, where we'll be spending money on proposal development versus money on business development and growth orientation. And then when you get to RFP to post-submittal, now we're talking about aggressively, if we haven't already, recruiting, right? Because that's the hardest thing. And depending on the nature of your contracts. So you've got, if you've got cleared contracts, you need cleared resources, those are really hard to find. Where are you located geographically? Are the resources even available? Are you able to work remotely? Do people have to be on site in a skiff? There's all these considerations that come into play. So recruiting, I mean, honestly, nine times out of 10, recruiting has been the long pole for a lot of the contracts that I've seen. Mm-hmm. And with the contract stipulations of, you have to be fully staffed within the first you know, 30 days or even less. With key personnel, it's usually the first week. How are you going to make sure you can get there, especially when it's new work? Yep. So lots of considerations here when it comes to that from a resourcing perspective. Very good point. And I know we're, we're getting close to time now, but I do want to hit on one more thing before we close out this um, this podcast today. You know, we've talked through the budgets and the key drivers. And for, for companies that are looking to grow, um, you know, what do they need to be doing? And, you know, what, what's kind of the overarching objective of going through this process? Yeah, I mean, I think this is the, this is what they call, you know, I'm, let's go with uh, the process needs to be deliberate and intentional. 
and the results need to be measurable. But this is the annual operating plan, in my in my opinion, right? Putting together a good solid revenue projection, an associated direct labor projection, profitability, and as a side effect of some of this new business stuff, you can also forecast out some gross bookings. So you can look at your backlogs, right? You want to look at gross and funded backlog here. So that's that process, that annual operating plan process. And as a part of that is the forward, is the forward pricing or provisional billing rate development, right? Because that's the rest of your operating plan. Is how, how are you projecting your rates? How are you projecting your spend? And then you have these baseline plans in place across all these different elements that you can track and measure against all year long. And you'll know when you need, you'll understand your variances. You'll do some root cause analysis. You'll know what course corrections are needed to get back on track. That's that's the benefit of this very deliberate and intentional planning process. Yeah, and, and you understand, you'll be able to identify where you might have immature processes or potential weaknesses to refine. And, um, you know, really, really be able to have good insight into um, your current state and future state of your financials. So with that, Todd, thank you very much for um, joining me today on Cherry Beckert's GovCom podcast. Here at CB, we do have several professionals with years of operational and contractual experience when it comes to going through the budgeting and forecasting process. So please feel free to reach out to Cherry Beckert. We're happy to be a resource for you and your team. And with that, thank you all for joining us today. Um, uh, Please make sure to follow Cherry Becker wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to um, tune in for additional podcast series on government contracting topics, including currently going on um, cost accounting standards and business systems uh, and appreciate the time. Thank you.